This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irokti, a yen of Chacht Erechor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientalem again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. Konnichiwa, and you are very welcome to another week of the Left Wing Daily, independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Keen Tracy, and we're still getting over Ireland's shock defeat to Japan here. We have moved to a new city. We are now in Kobe. We have left Hamamatsu behind. Rory O'Connor has gone on another adventure. He went to see Wales and Australia, an absolutely cracking game. Yesterday, we'll get his full thoughts on it because I know Michael Checker had another rant after it he'll be back on tomorrow's show but it's just myself and Jonathan Bradley from the Belfast Telegraph holding court today Jonathan how are you? Yeah not too bad at all as you say um, here in Kobe I got in late enough yesterday had a bit of an explore and seems like a cool enough city so far definitely yeah, I haven't really seen much of it. Um, staying in the same hotel, same hotel as the the Ireland team, which is um, yeah, a bit, <laughs> a bit tailor made for this week to stay yeah, in the same hotel. The, you you never want to be staying in the same <laughs> hotel as the, the Ireland team, but definitely not in a week like this. I've had a couple of elevator awkward elevator experiences already, um, and I only arrived yesterday. We're going to hear from CJ Stander in a little bit. He's he was up for media this morning, kind of talking about the the disappointing defeat. Um, the Ireland team, I've heard it described as a couple of different things where we're staying, so give people a sense. It's it's a man-made island that's like cut off from the rest of Kobe. You were saying it took you 20 minutes, half an hour to get out here. Um, it's perfect for, for what Ireland want because it is so out of the way, but I've heard it described as Shutter Island. I've heard it described as Gotham City. Um, it's, it's kind of what I imagined Chiba to be like, but Chiba was actually better than when we got there. Now, maybe I'm doing it a disservice because the city itself, it should be said, Kobe is supposed to be amazing and it's obviously got the, the famous beef in that, but we're a little bit far removed from that. So I think we're going to have to try and make a pointed effort to, to get out and see it. But you, you have already tried the, the, the Kobe beef. Yeah, right? because whenever you boys were sort of saying in the, in the WhatsApp that it was a bit a bit grim out here, I was surprised because I was walking around, the, uh, walking around the city having a great time. We got myself. the short straw. Yeah, so. No Ireland team to, to be bothering <laughs> you or anything. Um, sort of... W- stumbled across a, a big shrine um, it was cool it was the first one that I'd probably seen since, since I haven't seen I any got here it was uh, really interesting um, 
just watching all the people sort of coming and going about their um, coming and going about their business, and then went out. I don't know whether it's sacrilege to have your first experience of Kobe beef being in burger form, but it was just what I happened upon uh, the, the restaurant that was there, and it was great to be fair. So. Yeah, it's definitely on my list of things to do. I haven't quite got, gotten there yet. I was lucky to find a place that was still serving food yesterday, to be honest. It's been that kind of place. But yeah, so the, the city is supposed to be amazing. I guess this week was always going to be a strange week because it's the least glamorous fixture. I think it'll be very interesting to see what kind of numbers are there in terms of an Irish point of view, because I think most people who were here would have kind of booked it in two-week blocks. So obviously the, the first two games, Japan and Scotland, I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe a little lull now. It could be surprised because people will probably come back then for the Samoa game and then into the quarterfinal. Um, what, what's your sense of, of the week? Um, you had a chance to look back in the game. Obviously, we we did a podcast straight after it. There were immediate thoughts, but I, I was right. It didn't get any better on second viewing, did it? Or third viewing, even. I think certainly um, the thing that struck me the most watching, especially that last sort of half an hour again, was just the decision-making and a real how it felt was just a lack of on-field leadership once things started to unravel. I mean, you look at that sort of point around, um, it was 65 minutes, the line out down in the corner and the mall had been so effective the week before and they're trying like a peel move around the back with CJ and then a few minutes later, they're pounding away at the line and making some good headway. Now, I know like, the forwards were starting to tire from going phase after phase after phase, but then they go out the back door um, with Joey Carberry and he's just lined up, and it was things like that. And it's that lack of sort of direction, I think, that is what has people pining for Johnny Sexton. And I know a lot of the debate back home is now sort of predictably centred on if Johnny Sexton was fit, why wasn't he playing? And if he's not fit, how worried do we need to be? Yeah, like... He wasn't fully fit, though. Like, I mean, that's the thing. He couldn't kick in the previous game. He'd missed most of the training that week. I think if you're talking about if it was a World Cup quarterfinal, you know, and everything was on the line, OK, I think he rolled the dice. But it's it's easy to say, you know, that Johnny Sexton should have started. I actually thought Jack, Jack Hardy played very, very well. Um, now, his, when his influence faded, the pack's influence faded as well. So I think people were a little harsh on Jack Hardy because... He is going to be compared to Johnny Sexton, and yes, you would imagine if Johnny Sexton was there, he might have done a couple of things differently. But the guy is 34, he's been around the block. This was Jack Hardy's first World Cup start, his second World Cup start ever. You know, his creativity in the early part of the game, everyone was raving about it. So when the game turned on its head, it was the pack, I felt, were getting, were getting beaten up almost. And I think you're right to highlight that the move that Ireland did, because... It was indicative, I think, of Ireland getting sucked into Japan's, you know, own game. And that's not what Ireland are about. We, we, we had spoken at nauseum about it, how they were going to try and hurt you out wide. They wanted to keep the ball in play. They wanted to use their pacey wingers. And Ireland fell into the trap. They actually threw more offloads than Japan did. Now, uh, like, I've been one of the people who would like to see Ireland play with a bit more flair and freedom. But in that humidity, in that heat against this kind of team who had been lining you up, I think you've got to be smarter than that. Um, I think that was one of the, the biggest concerning aspects for me, but 
there were so many warning signs even early on. I, I did a piece uh, in today's paper, in today's Irish Independent, and it was a very small snippet, but on the two-minute mark, uh, Tyke Furlong makes a carry. Um, Keen Healy arrives at the rock. He just doesn't do anything. He looks like he's already trying to catch his breath, which like I can, you can only put down to the humidity factor. Um, James Ryan tries to clear Maffey out. Maffey just has a free poach, steals the ball. Ireland get the ball back. Rob Kearney kicks it back. They escort him off the ball, which Japan did really cleverly, I thought. You know, Japan's ta- tactics were really, really smart. Um, and then Japan pick out Ireland's front row, who get caught in midfield. So the, their prop, uh, the South Korean, goes through a gap between Healy and Furlong in the midfield. And you're thinking, this is after two minutes. What's going on? And then what, what it led to then was the little chip in behind Jacob Stockdale. And Jacob Stockdale got back really well to, to, to defend it. But Ireland were caught so narrow there. Their work rate at the breakdown wasn't there, and you're kind of wondering how are the three front rows caught in the midfield this early in the game, and how is the, their tight head prop getting through you? So there was lots of warning signs, I think, that they didn't heed. Um, we mentioned that CJ Stander was just sort of speaking about it there. We'll we'll get he- hear his thoughts, and we'll have a chat about that. CJ, having had a chance to reflect on things, how did you, how did you look back to the game now, and what maybe didn't go your way? Um, yeah, it was a... Uh, but look at it yesterday, but today, you know, it's, uh, I think we started well, I think two tries up, um, we had a few opportunities, we had a few opportunities in that first half, less second half, they just took it away from us, you know, and I think uh, there's a few places where we can uh, fix up, um, just to look after the ball more and just to use opportunities, but again, Japan played well, put us under pressure, and I think they kept on building on that pressure during the game, especially coming out after the second half. Where did it rank in terms of career disappointment? Um, yeah, it's up there. Uh, I'd say it's close to the bottom. Um, my record is probably always going to be at the bottom, but uh, yeah, it's close down to the bottom. But uh, it's it's something that I think is probably good good learnings in a place where you don't get a lot of opportunities <coughs> to get learnings. No, I think it's just in a few games, if I look back, it's probably just the consistency we want uh, from ourselves. We drive ourselves by high standards and what we can do on the pitch, you know, and I think just uh, be consistent in, in our process and what we do because uh, I believe we we can attack well and we defend very well and if we can just bowl on the moment we have and use opportunities then uh, we can get the points on the board but um, sometimes if you lose those, lose those moments against a team like Japan who was class on the weekend then you're going to get uh, let down you know so I think that happened a few times. Yeah there was a lot of mention of one of the most hated words in in rugby lingo uh, learnings and work on Jonathan but it was interesting I asked him there how did it compare in terms of his disappointments in his career because you know he's never been involved in a World Cup before and he compared it to the the red card that he obviously got in in South Africa um yeah what like what was your take on it C- CJ had a I thought had a, a decent game but he probably wasn't effective as he probably would have liked and there's even more pressure, I think, on CJ Sander now because he's the only specialist number eight left um, with Jack Conan having gone home. And it's probably worth mentioning that Jordy Murphy still, as we're speaking, it's early morning. It is 
just gone half 9am in Japan and Jordy still hasn't arrived with the squad. He touched down in Japan yesterday um, and he's taken a, an internal flight, isn't it? That's what we, the information that we were given. Today, the team are on a down day. Some of them are going to Universal Studios. Keen Healy and CJ Sander are going to a knife making um, to see a, a guy who makes knives, which I guess whatever you're into. Um, but yeah, so Jordy still hasn't arrived here, even though he touched down in Japan yesterday. Now, obviously with the science and everything they're you know that they've been given he's expected to hit the ground running but is it a concern do you think that there's a lack of now specialist number eights within the ireland squad i think it definitely is like we talked about this um you know back in Carden before we left that like it's great that jordy murphy can play it and cj there even mentioned you know pedo mahoney being able to slot into it reese ruddock being able to slot into it i don't think that's what you want but square pegs and round holes yeah isn't exactly it? but we talked about CJ having that extra string to his bow, but at the same time, you still want him to play seven, and I'm sure he wants to play seven because the last couple of times he's got a crack for Ireland, it's been at eight. I don't know what you're sort of thinking on it would be. It looks to me like certainly if we're taking CJ at face value and he's going to go again, then you're going to have Ruddock at six, CJ at eight, and Jordy at seven probably for this game at least. I'd be surprised if CJ plays again. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm comparing it to myself when I arrived in Japan, and I know that's a really stupid thing to do because I wasn't flying business class, and I don't have all this, you know, knowledge in terms of like your melatonin and all this. When to sleep, when not, when not to sleep, when when to eat. You know, you're just eating whatever you're given on the plane. So it is very different, but it took me so long to get over the jet lag and even still now we're we're into week three and you probably just you feel it about normal now so i think it'll be a big ask for jordy murphy to, to come in but that's what he's expected to do i i don't think you can play cj stander in this game i think i think jordy would come in at number eight if he's if he's fit and if he's you know shows no no signs of the jet lag um I think you'd have to play him. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if they went with a back row of possibly something like Ty Byrne at six, Reese Ruddock at seven, and Jordy at eight. Um, I don't particular. I'm not a big fan of Jordy at eight. I have to say, um, I think he's he had a couple of chances against both against Italy this year. He didn't really convince in either game, and I've mentioned it so many times. He had an absolutely brilliant season for Ulster, and it, it all came at open side. So maybe he will play seven. You mentioned Reese Ruddock can play eight, but it was something I was asking CJ Sander in. It's for a piece for tomorrow's paper about the role of a specialist eight because a lot of the time it's quite you know underrated. I guess their their control at the, the base of the scrum, and I, I feel like when you're not doing that week in week out it becomes a hindrance because especially for Ireland and they will look to play so much ball against Russia on Thursday off the, the back of the scrum and I think you want to have someone there maybe who's who's comfortable in the decision so I know I'm kind of contradicting myself because CJ is the only one left but what happens if something happens to CJ Sander in, in, in the Russia game so um, I think they've got to be very careful with their selections What do you I think especially you know if CJ was to play it would be, and that's why I was sort of surprised to see him at media this morning. Like, if he was to play, you're talking three games in 12 days, which is a huge, huge ask. And it's funny you say about like the role of specialist eight um, in Chris Henry's column in tomorrow's Belfast Telegraph, looking at exactly the same thing, just as him being somebody who came through as an eight but played the huge majority of his rugby at seven. And just talking about whenever he did have to switch back to eight, it's 
quite simply just not as straightforward as people think and even like the detail that you have to know in the line out because you're you are doing different rules um in terms of the set piece as well so it is a big difference and to just have cj as the only specialist eight left it, it is a big blow um because i don't think certainly in terms of squad selection it was never a case of Jordy versus Jack Conan. Jack Conan was always going to go because he gives the squad something different that they now don't have. It was Reese Ruddock probably, yeah. wasn't it? It came out to Reese Ruddock. But I think you mentioned kind of about CJ being off for media. And like I think when you're back at home in a normal week, you can probably read into things. It's a little bit different here because obviously the RFU were trying to get their messages out as well. It was really pointed yesterday that Johnny Sexton was up for media. Um, I was at that press conference and you know, when you want to get a message out there, you send your best, your key man and your best talker. And Johnny Sexton is the best talker. It sets the tone for the week. Even today, we were asking CJ Stander about things that Johnny Sexton had said. And there was a couple of really like interesting lines in there that he said that the hurt will stay with us until the end of this tournament. So, and he wasn't even involved. So I think putting CJ Stander up today was, we'll see if he plays. I, 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 I still would be very surprised because of the amount of games he's played. Um, but he's a really positive guy. He's on message, lots of learnings, lots of take-ons. His glass is very much glass is very much half full. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of why he was put up to, to set the tone for the week. Um, even if we look at, we'll get into this more because the team, team will be na- named over the next couple of days but I think they've got an issue in the centre as well now because Chris Farrell has been ruled out of the game um, I'm sure everyone has seen the, the injury news that came out yesterday he suffered a concussion um, the good news is Rob Kearney and Tyg Furlong are both progressing really well and are, are expected to be available for selection I don't think there's any way Tyg Furlong would have played in this game anyway I'd be shocked if he does I think Rob Kearney probably needs the game but in terms of Ireland's midfield options, Robbie Henshaw doesn't sound like he's going to play either. And this is a, it's a, this is a big concern for me. I mean, you're going into the final pool game. If Robbie Henshaw doesn't play, he's still got a hamstring injury. So that is a massive calculated risk that Joe Schmidt has taken. But you look at it then that Gary Ringrose is the, the only fit centre. Obviously, Bundyaki will come in. So you, Bundyaki would definitely play 12. But Ringrose is in the same boat as CJ Stander. He's played the first two games. He's got through an awful amount of work as well. I thought he was probably Ireland's best player, actually, against, um, against Japan. It wouldn't really have been hard. But I thought he was really, really excellent after an outstanding defensive display in Scotland. I thought we saw more of his attacking, but how do you see the number 13 role this week? I wouldn't be surprised if they move Jordan Larmer in there this week. I think, yeah, because as you say, it is that there are going to be players who have to go again. If you look at the pinch coming at um, second row, where if you don't play, if you play Burn in the back row, basically, then one of your other second rows has to go again. You look at the back row and you look at the centre, where increasingly it's looking like a massive massive risk to have kept Robbie Henshaw with his squad as good a player as he is because you've had other injuries in the centre I don't think you wanted now I know it's Russia I don't think you wanted to be going into this game talking about Jordan Larmer as a midfield option but that's what you've left yourself with by essentially having um, a passenger for the first three games of this of this World Cup and you know, we talked about the lessons that have been learned from uh, past tournaments, and I think a huge one would have been 
that you need all 31 men to be training and ready to go as much as possible and that's that's not what we've seen obviously it's coming under harsher scrutiny on the basis of one the way the injury pictures played out and two the results because this isn't something that we would have been talking about if Ireland had won two from yeah, two absolutely and it, it, like you said it has knock-on effects in training as well for you know in terms of what you can do with the numbers that you have because people have got to run you know opposition teams and I guess to play devil's advocate I guess Joe Schmidt's thinking is that Robbie Henshaw is kind of like Johnny Sexton in that he's had big injuries before and he's come back and he's hit the ground running. He's even done it not too not too long ago. So I, I, that that's obviously what he's thinking. Um, he he would have to play the final the final game against Samoa leading into the potential quarter final. But even at that, a hamstring, you know, we haven't been given a huge amount of information, but it was obviously it's obviously a significant enough issue. But I think it's a it's a calculated risk. It'll it'll be interesting to to see training tomorrow. They're holding an open training session and Kobe Steelers, isn't it? So yeah, you, you so know a bit more about them. Yes, yeah, so I obviously uh, Don Carter's team. So they're a huge uh, brand over here, I guess, in terms of that. And they've got uh, Wayne Smith there as well. I think Adam Ashley Cooper used to play for them. I think, but no, he's too busy back scoring tries. Exactly. Yeah, at whatever it is, 34, yeah. 35. Um, I think they're saying they're going to bust in some uh, school kids, probably try and have the same sort of uh, scenes that Wales had when they had their open training session. And it's another thing that, you know, it turns the page a wee bit. Obviously, it was planned before the Japan result, but it turns the page a wee bit. Um, it's good colour, really. You know, if if Carter is there, just the scenes of, uh, I suppose, Ireland getting into the local community and giving some back in that way, you know. But... <laughs> In a short week as well, I think it's interesting because, as we said, they're not training. Yeah, they're not training today. They're not they didn't training, training yesterday. So yesterday was a travel day, and Wednesdays are captain's on. So this yeah. is their this is their session, like you know. And especially if it's going to be a very different team, which we imagine it will be, there'll be a host of changes. But yeah, I think you're right. I think you know if they could get a few kids out there, you know, if they get that feel good atmosphere because there's not a great mood here at the moment it, it, it has to be said and while you know you can see the players are putting on brave faces I'd say they got uh, one hell of an ugly ugly review session from Joe Schmidt but like I said the, the page does have to quickly turn Jonathan um, it'd be cool to get along to that session tomorrow um, we might get a glimpse of Dan Carter not even sure what he's at these days he seems to be always flogging some sort of high end brand these days but yeah, I think he's Adidas brand ambassador and it's no surprise who makes uh, the Kobe Steelers kit I think so yeah, he, he could definitely still do a job especially for especially for Ireland if they were stuck but um, yeah look we'll be back tomorrow like I said uh, Rory O'Connor will be back with us and hopefully we'll have a bit of information, a bit more colour to see who we see at this training session tomorrow. But thanks for joining me, Jonathan. Cheers, thank you. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school.